Brad, how are you doing? Very well, yourself? Not bad, mate. Not bad. Um, first of all, listen, thanks a million for joining me on on the show today. I really appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm grateful to be here. Definitely, 100%. I've been excited about it the whole time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we finally get to do it. We've had a couple of cancellations along the way. Life getting in the way, I think, of it. So it's it's great to finally sit down and actually get this, get this episode recorded. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I've been buzzing about it. I've been chatting about it. I think I've got a few people actually. I've been sharing stuff around about your podcast. So that's that's the bonus of being able to get oh, you thank out. Thank you very much. Yeah, so. I appreciate that. Um, so guys, listen, you 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 would have heard in the, the introduction there. So we have uh, Brad Lishman in with us tonight. Um, Brad is master of many things so he's a life coach he's a neuralistic neurolinguistic programming neurolinguistic yeah. programmer try and say that five times really fast um <laughs> and also a a certified counselor um, and i think that's that's what kind of really intrigued me about having a conversation um with 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 brad on the one side he's kind of had his own battles with with mental health um and he's come through it on the other side and now um getting ready basically to start a career in in helping lads and hopefully changing the world for the better yeah definitely i mean that's that's the aim in general is to make everyone better <laughs> definitely yes that's yeah. that's yeah that's the main thing about life is helping others mm. and i, I think I, I, it's funny actually i recorded an episode the other night with a guy who um and we will get into this in a, in a little bit as well, I guess, when we start looking at some of the causes of mental health and how it can, how your mental health can deteriorate. And, and there, there tends to be this misconception, right, that mental health always stems from a trauma in the past, like depression. It, it, you know, people try to pinpoint it back to loss, grief, childhood trauma, that kind of stuff. But actually, one of the guests I had on the other night, his depression actually came from a physical injury and the pain that he was suffering because of it just drove him down um and on the other side of it now he was training to be a teacher at the time because of his depression and his his mental health issues that he had he's now flipped it completely and did his master's in psychology um and that's where, where he's going with it so what i always find really interesting is is 
the, the people who come out the other side stronger are generally the ones who are straight in to try and help and get stuck in at the ground level and try and help lads along the way. Is that something you see with in your line of work? Or See, uh, it, I, I see it in the line of many, it's not so much in the lines of like my clients or anyone. I, I'd say it's more along the lines, it's what I see along the lines of anyone who's gone through trauma, yeah. um, whether being physical, mental. Um, you nine times out of 10, the people who tend to come out of it the better are people that have actually built up somewhat of a self-discipline. So it's a case of, I know what's happened to me. And they, they're, these people, you've got to take in consideration, I have, like you say, they've, they've got the memories, they've got the distortions there. Mm-hmm. But when they've come along, sort of like to make themselves sort of present in their situation, it's become a, um, how can I put it really? What, like, and there's no other way to really put it. They become more present with their issue. So therefore the trauma they know is there. They know that what they've gone through has happened. Say for instance, if someone's had an accident, they know what's happened, but they don't know one, no, no longer want the suffering to happen. So it's a case of, well, how can I live my life the way that I am now without the suffering? How can I yeah. be, how can I be fulfilled? I mean, it's okay to say happy. I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm gonna, I'm, it's, it's rather ex- the uh, existentialist way of looking at it is like people like, oh, suffering is, is life. But it's like, yeah, okay. But then if you take in consideration that in that suffering, what is the one thing that you could do to become fulfilled? I mean, it's a very Buddhist way of looking at things, like Buddhist Buddhism way of looking at things. It's, it's a case of taking the suffering and how can you live joyfully with that? Yeah, yeah. So therefore, people who have the um, trauma... It's, it's, it's more along the lines of how can I become more self-disciplined with this? Sort of like they build that self-discipline of like, right, so I know I need to have this exercise to maybe like some form of physio to go through to build up this strength again or what sort of mindset training do I need? What sort of pain management do I need? And these sort of people will drive themselves to continuously work on that. And don't get me wrong, I know, and it sounds cute, but it's true, but there are people out there that do then fall into depression and can't see any way out of it. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, the people around them are the ones that are going to make the difference. I mean, it's always down, I mean, for support, it comes down to the environment. So the people who love you, it's going to be, they're the ones that are going to support you to want to be able to drive you out of that shell that you are in to then be able to sort of grow and sort of like, you know, take the further development that you need. And, and that's, that's what a lot of people with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder, that's what they need is to know that the environment they're around and the people that are supporting are there. Mm-hmm. They are there to help them, whether it's like um, family, friends, support groups, podcasts like this i mean there's always going to be somewhat value around you no matter what there's always going to be value and a lot of people you don't even have to have um, ptsd anxiety or depression to know this but it there's there's always going to be that one negative that's going to ruin the five positives that you've had in your life yeah 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 
but it's becoming present with those five positives that got you there in the first place to be able to then move forward. Uh-huh. Does that make sense? I mean, I, I mean, I don't. Yeah, know yeah, what, yeah. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, as it as it goes to the initial question, really, um, someone someone with you know that that trauma. They just need to have that, and them, them sort of people nine times out of ten do have that further self-discipline. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I found in my in my studies. It's always been a person who's always gone like they're goal orientated. It's like what steps can I take now to be able to, you know, like who I was yesterday. How can I bear that today? Like at least like times five or something like that. And they go for all their goals. Like right, I'm going to achieve this, that, that, and that. And then the next day they double that, and it's 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 it's, it's amazing seeing people with that form of trauma and how they you know how they develop. It's it's inspiring. Yeah, and that must be like for you. You you actually you've kind of just said it there. Inspiring. I was going to say that it must be very. Oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like for you to be able to watch see that growth, I guess, in your line of work. That must be incredible as well to, to, I guess, to celebrate those wins with them. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Those wins are what make your make your job as a therapist. <laughs> I, 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 I'm getting a bit emotional. I've had it, and yeah, yeah. it is. It's it's awe inspiring. And it's also you don't understand how grateful you are until you've seen that, because mm-hmm. it's that's, yeah. Indeed, there's, bit, no, there's no words. Choked up there, buddy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and it is like I mean, I know. Look for me, like when I did my therapy. Um, and I've done therapy over the years, you know, for <clears throat> bereavement and, and, and that kind of stuff. Um, but it was only when, I guess, when the bottom fell out of me last year and then I was on the meds and then I started really going into the counts and it was like, right, I need to throw myself into this 100% and give it everything. And, and like I've said on a couple of the podcasts before, like the therapy was that intense um, like I used to, I used to see my therapist at twelve o'clock on a Monday, and I'd finish about one. I'd come home and I'd get into bed for two hours because I was just shattered from it, absolutely exhausted from it. But you come out of it on the other side, and I was months doing the the the, the therapy, and you come out of it feeling stronger, I guess, more confident. Like for me, anyway, from an anxious point of view, I wouldn't have been able to do these podcasts a year ago. Not a hope. You know, um, definitely, I just wouldn't have had the confidence to, to, to kind of sit and do it. And even you look at me, I'm, I'm fidgeting and moving and I'm yeah. kind of nervous as I'm doing it, but I still wouldn't have had the confidence to try and do that beforehand. So I guess for people to go through that trauma, come out of it and then go into your line of work to then help people on the other side of it is just incredible in, in my mind. Yeah. And, and you know what? The, the, the one thing that I have noticed from previous conversations we've had is that like you say, the whole, like, I wouldn't have been able to do this a year ago, just shows you, like I was going back to what I was saying a minute ago, it comes down to the responsibility of things that you hold 
and mm. with therapy that's the whole point it's being able to get you to gain responsibility again of your own environment rather than the external environment yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So, i mean like like i say i mean it it does it, it does come down to the self-discipline thing again and it's how how your therapy goes and how they can sort of build that plan out for you to making sure that you know one is smart it's measurable it's achievable and also can is it um so you, can you retain that and also what time can you do that in and then it's all about the time i mean the, the more latter end of that being the time and up until that point these bits here are the sort of the, the fundamentals of therapy so making sure that is smart making sure the goals that you want to achieve are they are they rational because it's okay having a dream everybody has a dream um but is it rational or well, like I say, you know, it, it, it is. It comes down to the point of making sure that your 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 goals are rational and not irrational. Yeah. Because yeah. when you have irrational thought, it's going to be a case of like, oh, you know, sunshine, rain. You know, everything's like, you know, sunshine and rainbows. It's like, yeah, well, we need to sort of bring you back down here for a moment and make sure that these are going to be attainable. Mm -hmm. um, but like you've done, I mean, man, what an achievement! You start. You've started. That's the main thing. And you've had a few episodes now. And what episodes? What episode? How many episodes have you done so far? It's been about what five? So there's six up, six live now, um, and I've another four recorded. Mm. This would be five recorded. So yeah, um, and then there's more in the there's more in the wings then as well. Chatting, I'm chatting away to the lads every other day kind of trying to book in time slots and, and that kind of stuff to get it going so yeah it's it's taking a long race you know i actually do you know what the funny thing is on the one side right mm -hmm. we look at and, and i talk about it in the first episode as well we look at men's mental health and we talk about how generally men don't talk about mental health right until you give them the opportunity then boom the lads are jumping on it to talk to me on the show do you know what i mean which is incredible like and it, like they're genuinely coming on and telling their story, their trauma, their hurts. Um, and they, they want to share it because they want to get the word out there to other lads to let them know that we all go through it. It's okay. Do you know what I mean? And to yeah. break those stigmas and stuff. So it's, yeah, I've had a fantastic response from it now, I have to say. It's been brilliant. Yeah. Uh, um, and being vulnerable now this day and age, mm -hmm. there's so many mixed views. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But the one with the one we need to encourage the most is that, you know, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay not to feel okay. Yeah, yeah. Um I, I'll be the first up. Do you know, I didn't even know what depression was. Well, no, I did. I was 18 years old. I went to the pub one day, and it was a case of me and my best friend. There, there was a new guy who joined our group. I got a bit jealous because everyone wanted to know him. And I was like, hey, this is not cool. I'm like, I'm, I'm the boy of the group here. What are you on about? <laughs> um, but it, it, I heard that this guy had bipolar. And I right. thought, what the hell is that? And I, somewhat as I resented it, I kind of wanted to know. And 
I, I got one friend who was so obsessed with it. And in the end, some people get sort of, um, have, it's like a gravity, isn't it? Some people gravitate to people that have that. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of um, that sort of like if they have a mental health condition, for some people gravitate to it because they feel like one, they even need saving, or two, that I'm the same and I'm relatable. And then sometimes some people then try to look for that inside themselves. And then that's where the, the, the real link, if you've never had, well, if you felt down, then some people try and trying to link that sort of thing. And then some things happen worse. Um, it becomes like a pattern of uh, like events, like a paradigm that you go that goes through to your mind. Um, but anyway, getting back to more to the point, um, he later on became one of well, one of my best friends, um, like the very close best friend of mine, and he's also a therapist and he's a counsellor. Um, he he spent some serious time at university studying this stuff as well, mm -hmm. so. He, very, very highly and very, very highly uh, knowledgeable when it comes to talking about, you know, depression, anxiety, psychotherapy, um, you name what therapy, he'll talk to you about it. He's amazing. Um, but the first thing that ever happened to me was probably when I was about 24. Okay. So I had somewhat of an idea. I, I still did not understand depression and anxiety. Yeah, yeah. I, all the way up until I was 24, not a clue. When people said to me, I'm depressed, I'm like, why? You know, I was so ignorant and very arrogant with that as well. Hence why I'm saying yeah. I'm very transparent. I am very transparent now. I was so arrogant. It's like, well, you just need to do more. And I'd be like, <laughs> yes. yeah, but I can't. I'm like, but why? And I was like, because like, I, I'm struggling. I'm like, get out of bed, go to work, you know, yeah, just, just be happy, like, just be happy. Yeah. <laughs> like, have a coke and a smile and shut the, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Up, man. So, like, just get on with it. And yeah, come 24, I, I, I had, um, how old, how old was I? So, I had a three year old, two year old, nearly four, probably three year old at the time, daughter. And I was with a partner. We had horses, horses at the time. We had just got a new horse. And we moved into our yard. I was so excited. It's an amazing thing. And then all of a sudden, my, my, my partner at the time, she says, Brad, he's got lice. And I was like, what? You know, what would you mean? Like, he came off the thing, he looked absolutely fine. She's like, no, he's got lice and now we've been threatened. He's got to be kicked off the yard and so is the other horse. And at this point as well, may I just add, I had started somewhat of a, a senior position working at a call centre. So not only do I have to deal with people on the phone anyway i had to go help other people with their problems i had to then assist my manager doing their work because obviously they're sitting back and go oh no you're a senior you can do it this is how you learn i'm like oh okay fine you know taking everything on thinking you know i'm the yeah, apprentice yeah. learn this stuff and i did and i did and i did and all of a sudden um it didn't i didn't really help i think i had an energy drink like a couple of energy drinks that day come home time i'm in the car and we had to go pick up this treatment in, uh, from where I live in Billericay. And next thing you know, bang, my, my chest. And I just went, what's that? And all of a sudden, everything started to go really dark. And my, and my chest started pounding even more. I'm sweating. I generally thought I was having a heart attack. And 
my parent at the time, I mean, my daughter's in the back, she's like, she don't really understand. I'm, I'm sitting there thinking, Christ, what's going on, what's going on? We get about five minutes down the road, I'm blacking out. And I mean, I am like, I've never had this before. I'm so scared. And I think that didn't help this because I've never had this before. Where I'm so scared, this is really kicking even, like it was kicking in so hard. And I came to here to my uh, to my mother's house. And I managed, because I weren't living here at the time, my, my brother was staying here. And I came up here and I collapsed in my brother's room. The light spark, no, it's gone. My brother's like trying to pick me up. He was like, Brad, what's going on? What's going on? What's going on? And all I remember is that I just couldn't, and Perry, my brother, bless his heart, he was just like, you were just crying, uncontrollably crying. And it, he got up, you walked off out that door there. He said, and then you, you collapsed in the kitchen face first. And my mum, she was at work, and my 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 stepdad, he's who's in the other room now, he was like, he didn't know what was going on. And still to this day, it was the worst feeling ever because that's like it's the first panic attack you have, and guaranteed it's not the the one you're ever gonna forget because yeah, yeah. you don't know, you do not know what's happening. Mm-hmm. Well, now obviously we know there are things that we can do now. Mm-hmm. We can be therapist there are certain practices like you you mentioned to me yesterday about a certain practice you like to do to help with your anxiety with uh, cold water swimming um yeah and it's when these first things happen to you you do not know what's going on no and it's a scary i I remember my first full-blown panic attack it was here in the house like um and it was just it was horrific absolutely Mm. horrific um, and then I had another one then months later and I hadn't even told, <laughs> she knows now, I didn't tell my wife the first time it happened. I just kind of set up and said that must have been, because <clears throat> you kind of, I guess, you kind of know afterwards what it was. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Nobody knew beforehand I'd had one and then I had a second one. And that was, a, a, again, I think the second one was just as bad, you know, like that your your chest is tightening. It was... I think it was December time, so it was bloody freezing. But I was down to a to a t-shirt walking around because I was just sweating so much, you know. Yeah. Um, and yeah, you like you don't <clears throat> you don't forget them. And when they hit you like that out, out of the blue, they frightened it, <laughs> frightened the life out of you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so the the so I heard something the other the other the other month. Um, I'm trying to remember who said it. Now it was a therapist. Um, a very well-renowned therapist. I, I, I've got the face, but I can't remember the name. And they say, next time, if you're walking outside and you feel like, say if you've got social anxiety, take that yeah. consideration. You go into the gym, um, which nine times out of 10 happens to a lot of people when they're going to the gym. You know, they, they're scared because they're not in shape. You mm-hmm. know, it's, but what if they look at me and think, you know, this, it's like, Look, they were there once. And a lot of people don't take this in consideration. Is that that person who you think is judging you right now was, if not in the same shape or worse, or, you know, maybe less, maybe they they didn't have a lot of body fat, put on the body fat, worked into like their physique to their ideal self, and now they're happy. When you go to the gym, you'll be quite surprised. Like I had the same problem. 
It's like, you know, uh, I remember when I was 18, I was skinny as, skinny as shit, man. I'm still skinny now. And it's a case of like, I'm scared because I'm, 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 walk, I'm looking around and there's like all these guys that are like mega buff. And I'm like, well, they're, they're going to rip me. And you'd be surprised. They will actually come up to you. They will spot you. And it's like a case of like, you know, you, you're like, you go to sort of like, you load your weights up, you think, oh my God, this is a lot of weight. They'll probably walk over to you like, oh, mate, do you want a hand with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you don't expect these things. <clears throat> That's when you know you're in the right place, really. I mean, there are places where people probably will say the, the odd word and that, but yeah, as a normal person, say not, not as a normal person, but a person who's not uh, got anxiety or anything, you're going to be like, you know, yeah, whatever. But it only takes literally that one moment that you might think about someone saying something to you for you to think, I can't be here. <laughs> yeah. And it's the truth. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, so what? Yeah. So what happened then at, at 24 with that, with that panic attack? Was that the beginning, do you think, of your, yes. I guess, your, your decline? Man, that, that, was, that was the point for you where you recognised something was, something was going wrong? Yeah, definitely. Um, there were, there were, it was pretty much from there that I had a few things like, you know, um, I'm, a, I'm a musician. I love playing guitar. And when I was um, when I was living with her, her father was um, disabled and struggled. So we ended. We I, I actually moved in with them because I got kicked out of here because um, I, I I left the job and it was a case of like no that's it. It was a heat of an argument. I don't hold any you know judgment towards my yeah, parents. Yeah. It's a case of like no get out. And I was like well you know being the cocky person now I've got somewhere. Fuck you. I'm not coming back. <laughs> And it was a case of that. And then, yeah, it, it was the build-up of many years. Yeah. I'd say I, I could probably trace my anxiety all the way back until now I know what it is, obviously. Um, all the way back until I was about 11. Right. And I went to good school. I weren't good at school. Yeah. There's, there's no, there's no in between. I was not good. I didn't want to learn. I didn't, I didn't give a shit. And it was a case of like, if I found it boring, I made it, it was, I made out it was boring. And then I'll disrupt an entire class. And it, that went throughout the whole of my school life and until like the end. And I was kind of like, oh crap, these are my grades. I need to do something. And I, I, I beat my predicted grades, which was amazing, all across the board. I actually, surprisingly, I got, was it, I was predicted, what, a D for every subject, all bar one, which, unfortunately, because I refused to take the exam, it was a case of, I got ungraded. Um, and one of them I got a B in, which I was really highly shocked, because I was like, one, one that my grammar and my spelling was terrible the fact that i managed to get a beat and it was in religious studies of all things um and <laughs> i think that and that leads on to another story to why now i probably think makes sense um but i was like i got a b i didn't even know my paper went up to that like great you know they were like well no you were like mid to high level for re i was like what i was so shocked 
but I was very imagined like I was quite artistic as a kid and that's nothing that's where I like I rebelled I didn't want to conform yeah. I had a real yeah. authoritarian problem and I think that's what led me off to be now who I am now to do further education educate myself as I've got older but anxiety yes uh, teachers put you in places that you wouldn't even put your own kids it's like well, I hope no one puts their own kids in the situation I've been in, but it's a case of like subjecting you to the front of the class so that when they told you off and sort of belittled you, they would try and make the whole of the class laugh to, at you. And when that happened, that's when the social anxiety then mm. I think first took place because then by the end of it, it was a case of I played up, people laughed at me, it was good. But then there are also people there that are laughing at me because you're a fucking idiot. And that's when you identified yourself as the idiot or the uh, sort of like the person who didn't want to pay attention. People would tell you that throughout school and you grew up with that identity. And then you come yeah. out of school, you go to work, you act the same. And it took a few jobs for me as like I was growing up and you still had the same label. And it was the same identity growing up. And that's where, by the time of 24, I was chefing. Oh, no, 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 no. I came out there, sorry. I came out of the office and then I went into chefing at the age of uh, 24. Like, literally, I stopped the office and I went instead. Weird, admittedly, when you've got anxiety to go into a place that's very anxiety-fueled. But I thought it was it was a trade. And my, my partner at times was like, you need a trade. Go and do that. I was like, yeah, okay. So I did. And one day I had a panic attack in the kitchen because I was a pot wash because I was trained to be, you know, qualified, like you yeah, know, yeah. doing my qualifications, become a chef. And you have to go in the pot wash. And it's the starting point to anyone cooking. If you can handle that, you can handle the pace of the kitchen regardless. And it's a case of like, um, I remember that day and I was really, I was all big smiles all day. And then it just took that one time when I had like one customer just turn around to me and they, they were the most, the most nastiest comments I've heard ever in any form of customer service. Um, and I did. I, 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 sat, I, I broke down in my, because I, 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 I used to work in a theatre, so I was cooking for people. Uh -huh. um, and it was for like 1,800 people a day. And you had like, what, the best part of like 200 people queuing up to be like cooked by you from fresh and one person literally just lost their shit with me and i had a, like two of these lovely beautiful woks in my hands and i because there was cooking two meals at a time because that's how you do it you know you're like what do you know okay well bang you're sorting out for the other person and this person was just so horrible and i remember just sort of like something just went split here and, and I, I went out into the kitchen through the back into the change room and i collapsed and yeah, I, I remember my head chef just being like, Brad, Brad, you're Brad, like, you know, you're right, like, you know. And it happened again. And I thought the first time of me having that panic, panic attack in the car, I thought that might have been the first and the last of it. I'm never going to have that again, surely. But it did. <clears throat> and then it happened quite a few times after that. And I didn't get therapy all the way up until I'm my age now. You know, um, I never had counselling. I never had therapy. I, I thought, I don't need it. 
you know I'll, I'll i'll go and learn about it you know like and even up to the point of like what maybe 29 i was learning about life coaching neuro-linguistic programming i'm thinking how can i make these things work for me yeah, you know yeah, yeah. like let's see what i can do for that <clears throat> and yeah again there's only so much you can help yourself yeah and i think that's it that's quite a male trait though isn't it which we we yeah. don't talk about it we don't tell her we tell everyone oh, i'm fine i'm grand i'll sort it i'll sort it out myself i'll fix it myself i'll, I'll deal with it it's fine you know and, and like you say you go and you try and read about it and research it and stuff and like that like i i did the same to a degree i like when i had my I guess breakdown, if you want to call it that. Uh, and I thought, right, I need to do something. My first part of call was to the doctor. Um, and actually, I put a post up the other day about it. I get the, the overlapping symptoms between anxiety and depression and, and the confusion in it and, and how it can be difficult, I guess, for a GP to, to diagnose because some of the symptoms overlap and there are similar characteristics to the two. Um, yeah. So I go in and I present myself with a certain amount of characteristics and symptoms. And he said, yeah, you've got depression, Matt. There's a load of tablets. Knock yourself out. You'll be fine. You'll be grand. Um, so I, I walk out of the, 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 the doctor's surgery, right? Full of anxiety. Still not knowing that I'm full of anxiety, right? Yeah. Trying now to tell myself, shit, I've got to live with depression now. And I've got to take tablets for And like that, I go home and I, I tell my wife and kids this. And I'm telling my family. I'm telling all my friends. Mark's been diagnosed with depression. Uh, um. And I'm thinking, I'm not ready to do counselling yet. I'm not ready to talk about it. I'm not ready. I'm, I'm going to, I can fix this on my own. With, with Tablets are going to help, but I'll fix it. And you're researching and you're looking into it and you're reading up about it and all the rest of it. And it just, it doesn't work. Like you have to put your hands up and ask for help. That's, I think that's yeah. one of the key things we have to realise when it comes to mental health, physical health. Like if it was, I, I think I said it in one of the episodes, well, if it was a physical pain, you'd go to the doctor, you'd go to the physio. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. But from a mental health perspective, it's like, no, I'm grand, I'm fine, I'll sort it out. And it only really, I think even at, like most guys, it's only when you actually hit that rock bottom point, that's when you go, shit, okay, fine, I'll go. Like, you know, we, I think we all have to hit, we shouldn't have to, but I think we do wait for that rock bottom part before we actually put our hands up and say to people, okay, I need help, I need to go and see you a therapist, a counsellor, a psychotherapist, whatever, whatever the case is, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I went, so basically with my, with my daughter, my eldest, I split, I split up her mum. Okay. Um, and I did go to the doctors and very similar to you. They turned around, gave me a little questionnaire answer this bang, 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 which is, is standard for any form of therapy you go through you still have to answer this questionnaire just so they know where you are yeah and it, yeah. it gets it gets more it gets more in depth for when you're going into therapy especially when you're doing cbt they need to know you know are you sleeping okay are you eating okay what your daily activities are going to be like you know, how you're coping with those, name it on like scale of like one to 10, one being good, 10 being bad. And in between one and two, you've got a 0. 0.5. And it's very in-depth. I mean, they do take, we, well, we do take all that into consideration. So then we can actually monitor and think, right, so this is where we're at now. 
this is where I'm going to sort of move the therapy towards. Yeah. Yeah. So, but the, the problem about going to the GP is that they're nine times out of 10, they will turn around to you and they'll go, medication, you're depressed, you've got chronic anxiety. Um, the one thing that I had was that I was suicidal. Um, okay. I was badly suicidal. And it weren't because of the, me breaking up with my daughter's mum. It was the, the typical dad thing. It was a case of, I've brought you up for six years of, my, of your life. And now I've got to stop that. Mm-hmm. Um, full time. Like, you know, like, um, I, I, when I say full time, I mean, I was working. Her mum used to, you know, bring her up and that. But being around them, for that length of time, like you say, from a baby all the way up until like, you know, six years old. And then you've got to then sort of move away from that. I won't say what happened about the breakup purely because I want, don't ever want to shame her mother, no, um, no, or no. myself or anyone, any other part you're involved or like, you know, I don't want that to cause any form of adverse effect. Her mum is amazing. Her mum has done a fun fucking mental job with her. Like, um, my daughter's got a condition which is called um, it's a deletion of the chromosome 6 which means therefore this doesn't connect to your belly so you're always thirsty you're always hungry um, and it comes with learning difficulties lucky enough for us it's not that bad for our daughter um, it, not that bad I mean it's not bad at all she's grown up to be the most polite beautiful little girl other than, <laughs> I mean my other little girl's only nine months old but i'm sure she'll be exactly the same my son he's a he's he's gonna be a lady killer we know that um but it, it's um or whatever killer man i mean christ i mean you can't say that now these days but uh, whatever wherever he decides to go hey daddy's supporting mummy supporting and that, like i say I'd say that for both of the mums of both of my like lot of children they're amazing but the, the 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 suicide, like I say, the the coping. I, I made a post the other day. Coping is the way to self destruction. Because when you're coping with something, it means you're not dealing with it at hand. Yeah, yeah. So if you're coping with how you're living, you better start making a plan now before they explode to you. Mm-hmm. Because. I from first hand will tell you now coping with suicide that is something that nobody should ever have to go through and when you mentioned hell a minute ago we had that conversation sorry I'm one minute sorry what You mentioned being at rock bottom, suicide has, you know, rock bottom has the basement. That's when you're at the suicide point. And when you you hit that and you can come up from that, and I would tell that to any person that I know, I've got friends that have been in exactly the same place. I'm like, look, you're here. And 
<laughs> mate. We're, we're really grateful that you're here because the last thing you ever want to do, and it's like, I know, I know we talk about men's mental health and I, know I love everything to do with men's mental health, but I lost two people this year. I lost my cousin, which was terrible. I mean, he was like, he was the, the poster child for Jim. Like you look at him, he had muscles growing from muscles. He was handsome and he had borderline personality, I think like BPD, I'm sure it was, or something along them lines. And he had a bad episode and he ended up having something called, um, it's like the similar to the SIDS for children, like sudden infant death syndrome, but he had sudden adult death syndrome. <clears throat> and um, that happened like close enough to Mother's Day, I'm sure it was. So I had to say goodbye to him this year. I'm sorry, this is going really dark. I do apologize. Um, and then in the April, um, one of my closest friends, which I don't talk about this very often. I haven't. And the only person that brings this up is because my, my, the children I've got with the, the, my most recent, um, she's the one that introduced us together. Um, and she took her own life in April, a very, 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 very tragic way. You should no human ever have to go that way about it. So, like I say, losing, losing my friend, it, it was quite a, um, a traumatic experience, not only for me, but also for my partner at the time as well. And for all, all the friends included, there was a massive group of us. And um, so, like, like I say, it's, 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 it's quite a statistic, uh, statistic. I mean, the suicide rate within men is a lot higher than it is women, I believe. I believe, don't take that for fact, they're strictly hypothesis. And I know yeah, that. It, no, no, you're, you're onto something there. So the statistics that I've seen, it's generally the ratio is, is is three times so 75 75 percent right. of global suicides are men yeah um <clears throat> from a from a mental health perspective and the funny thing it's not funny at all <laughs> i shouldn't say that the funny thing the, right. the interesting fact on it is that so they, they again some of the statistics i've i've read and, and like, like people listening to this, whatever, don't be quoting me. And like, go on to Google and look for it yourselves. You'll kind of see where I'm coming from with it. But there's, mm. they, they reckon that women are five times more likely to talk about mental health than men are, but men are three times more likely to die by suicide, right? Mm. But women are actually more, I don't know the number on it, but women apparently are actually more likely to attempt suicide. Mm. Men, tend to be the ones that actually fully go through with it more so. And I think what they, they, they talk about is because of the way they do it. So men tend to be a bit more violent with it because they, they want to actually go through it. Do you know what I mean? Not that they want to go through with it, but... They're more, they're more convicted to do it. So their conviction being, this is how I feel and this is what I'm going to do. Yeah, yeah. Like, like some of the things I read where... where like women like attempted suicides and stuff tends to be an overdose that doesn't work basically 
Do you know what I mean? They'll pass yeah. out, they'll be found, yeah. and, and that you know, they get rushed to hospital, whatever else, and then they're, they're, they're fine. Men, it's either with a car, um, asphyxiation, hanging basically, um, or from a global perspective, and taking statistics from America and stuff, is that it's a gunshot wound to the head basically because guns are so readily available over there. Um, so that's kind of where the statistics come into it. So, whilst women are more likely to talk about mental health, men aren't, men are more likely to die by suicide bases, is kind of the way the but statistics feel, stack up. Do you feel it comes down to pride for men? Do you know what? I that's actually a good one because I I I asked this question to the to the guy I interviewed tonight, um, Alex, who again he's doing the life coaching thing. He's he studied psychology, um, he's setting up his own business as a as a life coach and stuff. And I asked him a similar question: What do you think it is? I I don't know if it and and I was asked on one of the groups on Facebook as well. Somebody had, had put a post up the other day saying why why don't men talk about it? And a lot of the guys that came onto it had said that pride, you know. I don't believe it's that black and white though. Do you know oh, what no. I mean? I don't I don't think you can say I, he killed himself because he was too proud to ask. I don't think that's I. From my experience, and you know, from the stuff that I've read, the guys that I've spoken to the interviews that I've done with them, I, I think it's a lack of education, to be honest. From, from a young age, we're, we're never taught how to express our feelings as men. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it's not something that you grow up learning. Do you know what I mean? And then it's... And like again, like I've said it over and over in the posts I've put up and in the other podcasts and that, it's man up wipe those tears away don't cry don't show your feelings but all of this kind of is just don't drip feeding into it to the point then where it gets to where you've hit rock bottom and you've been told not to talk about it you know um and i even say i think it's in the first episode i say you know where i i know personally i know five six people that have died by suicide um that were close to me and we'll stand around at a funeral of a bloke or a girl who's died by suicide and wonder why they didn't say anything. But yet society tells us not to say anything. And then we moan that they didn't say anything. So try and figure that one out. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So I, I, I think pride comes into it. Absolutely. You know, and, and like we said earlier on, we, we try to fix it ourselves. Don't we? Like men in general, we try to fix things ourselves. I, and I think there's an element of pride that, plays a part i think the, the the bigger element i think is 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 societal expectations of men that we're supposed to be strong we're supposed to be this alpha male we're supposed to you know not show that we're vulnerable we're not supposed to show our feelings we're not supposed to do any of this stuff we show a feminine side almost as you know how we're conditioned yeah so yeah in, in that that stage of like normally when you're about two to four years old when you when you um when you fall over it's get up don't cry yeah it is come on what are you doing don't be stupid come on up you get why are you crying for it's don't repetitive the things that you have like that are the reasons why 
when you're when you're a boy because you got to think when you got a little girl it's like, oh baby okay you pick her up you're like oh come on don't be silly like that and i i, I openly admit i mean christ i mean having kids boys uh, a girl and a boy um i would say i'm more hard than him like was more hard now i've got a better understanding um it was a case of like Oh, why, why are you crying? Come on, get up. Don't be silly. Come on, get on. You know, it's like you fall over, scrape your knee, you get up and stand up and cry. The one thing that I had when I was younger was you stand up and cry because if you sit down and cry, that means you've given up. And I was like, okay. And that was my granddad. He said, you don't ever sit down and cry, boy. And I was, he's dead now. <laughs> he always sat down. So I don't know how he stood up and like cried. He was always sitting down. But um, it was a case of, yeah, okay, in some kind of way, you might be fucking right in some really shit way because I feel that it's okay to cry. And I'll encourage any man to cry because I tell you what, when you cry, you'll be surprised what comes out after that. Yeah. And it's a case of like, if you're not crying and getting angry or you're not crying and being happy, then there's something really fucking wrong. <laughs> because if I'm sitting there, I'm crying, I'm either really pissed off or it's a case of I'm so overjoyed, I'm laughing because you've just made me cry so bad. Even if that's not the case, the way you've got to take in consideration is that your thoughts are not linked to the simultaneously linked to the way that you feel if you're feeling really shit one day and you feel like you're acting a bit of an arsehole you're not necessarily thinking why you're acting that way or feeling that way no. and you sit there and you think about it and then you're thinking oh i'm thinking I'm, the reason why i'm feeling that way or behaving that way is because i haven't had breakfast and next thing you know it's like oh yeah I haven't had breakfast, so maybe if I go and eat something, because they say having breakfast in the morning kills anxiety. When, you are, when you've got anxiety, ask yourself that question. Have you slept well? Have you eaten? You know, um, what's the other thing? You know, like they, they, there are like a series of different, like there are a series of different things that affect your circadian rhythm. When you, I don't know if you know what circadian rhythm is. Mm -hmm. Right, okay, cool. I won't go too much into it then. So like your REM sleep, so and so on. But before you get to REM sleep and you're sleeping in the night, it's the things that happen during the day. So if one, say for instance, by about like brunch or something like that, about 11 o'clock, you're sitting there thinking, I feel really anxious. Have you eaten? Have you had something that's slightly fatty, like a carb? Because when you start eating carbs, that release energy, sugars, glucose, which then, you know, create that... Um, Sort of, sort of lower your cortisol levels. So therefore you're not anxious because cortisol is the stress hormone that's released when, you know, when you're stressed and you've got anxiety. But then by doing that and by eating, then you're sort of like getting your glucose levels back up and then that sort of diminishes, like diminishes your cortisol levels. And then you've got to ask yourself another thing. I mean, what are you doing in that moment? What are you doing presently at that time that you could probably do to make yourself like self feel better? If you're feeling anxious, go to the toilet, splash your face with some water. It's an instant kill for anxiety. Mm -hmm. it, nearly instant. I wouldn't say it's like splash your face with water. It's like, I'm good now. Um, but the little things like that. And also another thing is um, I heard it's amazing. And I, I've used it on myself recently. Is that when you're having a bout of anxiety, you can feel your heart. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, you can really feel that, can't you? Ask yourself, am I anxious or am I excited? Because when you're excited, your heart is pounding out your chest. So if you can sit there and think, well, you know, maybe I'm going to work and, but later on I'm going out and I'm meeting someone or um, I, I've got a games night or I'm going to the bar or something, try and switch that anxiety around because that's called reframing. So what happens is you reframe that feeling of anxiety into excitement. Therefore, it completely changes the thought and your behavior. It's a cognitive behavioral therapy technique that you can use. Mm -hmm. But it's, um, you got, yeah, there's, there's loads of little techniques you can do to get over anxiety at present times. But don't get me like breathing techniques. You know, you've got the, you, you know, you breathe, I see you breathe in for, um, four seconds exhale for eight but before you exhale you have like that one second where you hold it in and then you breathe out and that that sort of makes you more oxygen rich rather than carbon rich which therefore then reduces the um, you know the carbon dioxide which creates the anxiety in your mind or in your brain um there's like loads of little techniques that you can do yeah. but unless you hold them you don't know and that's yeah. the whole point it, of your podcast things, you know yeah and it's funny actually you say that like certainly from a from a breathing perspective so the first time i did any breathing techniques was with my counselor right and it was the same thing you know it was it was the you know breathe in for a few seconds breathe out for a few seconds and i know like with my my wife says it to me all the time sitting on the sofa you know going to sleep at night she can hear how shallow my breath is because it only comes to here to the chest do you know yeah. what I mean? I don't take yeah. deep breaths. I don't breathe deeply all the time, you know. Um, I'm I'm in a constant state of shallow breathing, basically. Mm. Um I like that to count. And the other thing the counselors do from from is, is if you're feeling an anxiety thing, it's can you oh, what way is it? Look for five things, listen for four things, smell, you know, you count down. I think um, the submodalities. So you've got your 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 um, visual smell taste um touch yeah touch yeah so, yeah so yeah if you can do those and you can monitor the other really good one to do is that when you're sitting down put your feet on the ground sort of like it sounds stupid but when you've got your feet on the ground stomp one foot stomp the other grab something look around take a deep breath and listen because when you do that you're bringing yourself to the present at that time. Yeah. So bring yourself more present. You're then, and your anxiety will start to one, calm down. You'll be able to rationalize with yourself more because mm. that's a lot of the, when you're, when you're in an anxious state, we depressed, you're thinking irrationally. So therefore you need to bring yourself back to an, like a reorganized state of mind. Yeah. 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 And actually it's funny you say that, right? Because I did a video on it a few weeks ago. I just jumped on and, and recorded a video and posted it on, <clears throat> on the Anxious Lad page about the, the logical thinking and concentration and stuff, right? And this was a big one for me because I would almost get that anxious. I'd send myself into the fight or flight response, right? So I'm now raring to go. Do you know what I mean? Pupils are, are are dilated, heart is pounding, muscles are tensing, um, the, the breathing is getting shallower all the time. 
Um, and like that, your logical brain shuts off, done, gone. And all it wants to do is, is fight this perceived danger or that it thinks this danger you're, you're, you're in. You know, that natural physical reaction to your brain way of thinking, basically, that goes back to caveman times. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. It's something no, that's it's innate right. in all of us is, is that, yeah, that fight or flight response is that innate feeling in us all. And another thing actually that's been really helping me again, I guess, from a breathing perspective, and it's it's the first interview I I, I did on the podcast is with Justin, the guy from Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, Justin and I are still talking nearly every other day of the week. Um, I actually have a call with him this weekend. He's yeah. teaching me Qigong, um, like meditation and breathing and stuff. And the way he put it, I remember talking to him uh, a couple of months ago about it, and he was it was like, how's your week been? How's it? I was like, I don't know, a bit of a fucking fit during the week. And, you know, somebody says something to me and it's boom, snap, fight or flight. And I start screaming and shouting. And he says, and I guarantee it just before you raised your voice, there was a, you couldn't catch your breath. And he says, that's it. That's, that's the switch for you. So like that now, every night going to bed during the day, I'll, I'll basically sit back and it's, and it's like you said earlier, it's about getting rid of all of that stale, um, what you call it, you know, yeah. getting the good oxygen in and the, you know, oh, stuff out. yeah, yeah. So you start off by just completely emptying your lungs of all air and then taking a big deep breath in and then taking that out. And you, you should be breathing in the same amount of time as you're breathing out, basically, and getting that rhythm going. I just um, exhale more than you are. No, you, yeah, you breathe in and you exhale for longer than what you would breathe in. So basically you're getting rid of, you're becoming, that's the whole term of oxygen rich, is yeah, that yeah. your your oxygen level should be higher than the carbon monoxide, or carbon dioxide, not monoxide, Christ, uh, dioxide more, you know, uh, yeah, system. Yeah. 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 So it is, and I get it, you know, there's loads of the cold water on your face, that kind of stuff. There's people are saying, you know, look, if you're if you're being, if you, if you, suffer from anxiety you know the great thing to do is just before you get out of the shower turn it right cold and yeah. stand under the cold water for 10 20 seconds um for me i thought i'd never do it and, you know i spoke to you about it the other night yeah. um so my my wife and i are, are, are trying to go sea swimming every day and uh, sea swimming in ireland is bloody cold <laughs> you know? um, but it but it does work i feel absolutely amazing at the moment from it like it's it's really and i and i i never thought i you'd get me into the sea um, like I said, it's even even in the height of summer, you know, my wife and the kids would be in the water and like, nope, not going near that. That's too cold. Um, but I say I actually crave it now. I miss it on the days that I that I don't go. Um, because it does, it forces you to catch your breath. It forces you, you as soon as you hit the cold water, you you have to do you know what I mean? You get that shock and you yeah. have to take yeah. a deep breath and you have to start breathing properly then and stuff. So it does work. Anyone listening. Jump in the sea, turn your shower to ice cold just before you get out of it. Splash cold water. Another one is uh, put your head, put your head into into the sink full of cold water first thing in the morning. Uh, yeah, for a couple of seconds. If you've got ice as well, like keep a little tray of ice in your freezer. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. but like, it's like the complete opposite to what you used to do for the whole Vicks. You know, where you got to methylate stuff in the water when you breathe it in. You're like, yeah, like that. Um, instead of doing that bowl of ice water slap your head into that first thing in the morning guarantee you'll be awake for the rest of the day and probably you know until you go to sleep yeah definitely yeah. 
but yeah. Uh, it's a good practice yeah and especially when you got the likes of like uh wim hoff like so he's the he's, they call him the ice man so he's the one that can go to do these like um he'll go and swims in like the most coldest temperatures you can think of if you haven't checked him out check him out he's on youtube um but it's incredible and he teaches these people this breathing technique where these people can withstand these cold temperatures and there are people walking like literally in their boxes around in like not just the snow but blizzards and they're walking around they're like yeah i'm fine what's happening <laughs> like that it's like yeah all right what are you smoking come on yeah. tell me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. but no it's a genuine practice and it's very uh, primordial as well because it goes all the way back to like generations yeah. Like, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But no, I, I think there, there, there are good techniques to do for anxiety. Your one, I'd say, is definitely like sort of like not being judgmental, but it's very, still very extreme going into the um, ocean. And you do have to be that kind of like that kind of guy to be like, yeah, well, bugger it, let's go and do that. But um, yeah, uh, any any form of practice by putting like, say, for instance, water on your face, splashing water on your face, um, and sort of. There's a, um, a technique that Tony Robbins teaches, which is a neuro-linguistic programming technique, which is called rapid transformation. So what you do is you're standing there and you might be feeling down. As soon as you identify at that moment that you are feeling down, you'll notice this when you watch the Olympics. You'll see someone, I'll go clap, clap, clap like that really loud and they'll jump up and down, they'll move their body like into a way that'll sit bam, they're straight back into that mind frames like they sort of made themselves present again. It takes a bit of, it takes a bit of training, but uh, rapid change of state. Sorry, that's what it's called. So you're changing your state instantly by clapping, you jump up and down, and you're like, yes, let's do this thing. But um, like I say, it does take a bit of training. NLP is one of them things. It's, it's great for... Um, these little techniques um it's a methodology in attitude that's basically what it is and it's just people to become more present like i say the whole sense of smell taste feeling you know and everything like submodalities and that um it's all about getting yourself grounded and if you if you don't know what nlp is for you i'd highly recommend it it'll be amazing especially doing a podcast it gives you like people sitting here with me now being able to sort of like look at how their body language is, you know, and trying to sort of identify little points. Like, say, for instance, you're, you bring up stories that are like, you know, like that, they're a bit defensive. It's all about how you can then sort of make them feel comfortable. It's like manipulation in a good way. So you're right. trying to, even in counseling, you learn about neurolinguistic programming. It's, um, it's just a really good modality to know. Because it, it like little ticks in the face, like you see someone like twitching, maybe I'm not saying they might have a tick or something. Christ, they don't just chew, but um, but there are little things like if they're being defensive and you're asking them, they might do something or might like make a little twitch. It's good to know because there might be a sort of like something you can pick on there where you might be able to go, ah, I might have something here, and then sort of elaborate a little bit more and try and sort of get them to sort of ask them the right questions you know this and trying to bring them out yeah. so it's, it's a really good it's a really good technique to know 
It's a very, yeah. very... Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I, I've read bits and pieces on it now, to be honest, but I haven't looked, I guess, too too much into it now, but um, might be time to start reading a bit more upon it, I guess. Well, I've, I've um, written on it. I'll send it to you. Yeah, that'd be you awesome, can... actually, yeah. Yeah, I've written that, so you can read up on that. It's just the understandings about, like, you know, say, the, the methodology behind it, the attitudes, the behaviours, um, key points, you know, like, you know, behind NLP, what the things to... Sort of, like, things that would probably benefit you more on certain aspects in life. Mm. You know, like I say, it's a methodology, so therefore you pick and choose what you want to learn from it. Yeah, it's Sounds really good. 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 Yeah. So, what I like about this actually, we kind of we we keep jumping back and forth <laughs> into different bits, which I'm loving actually. This is a great conversation I think we're having in this one. Um, but from your from your perspective, right? So, can we go back to, I guess, the suicide ideation for you? Let's 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 pull it back a wee bit. Um, because I'm interested in, in, in hearing now how your mindset changed um, and, and how you went from that deepest, darkest point without trying to bring the whole tone of the episode down as well, but because there's methods to the madness, basically, and, and people understand as we get onto it, the line of work and stuff now that you're doing as well. I'm, I'm interested to understand and see, from your perspective, how did you switch that around? And pull yourself back up because you, you said it yourself earlier. The, the pride thing, people don't ask, people don't put their hands up and stuff. But yeah, you you clearly did. You you were at that point, and then something obviously switched for you to to turn it around. Yeah, I had the fear of God put into me. <laughs> right. And in 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 the take whatever. I'm not a religious person. I I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious. Person. Um. I went to a club. I did a stupid thing. I took a load of pills, a lot of them. And I, by this point, had somewhat kind of been drinking. Well, I had been drinking. And I had a bouncer stick his hands down my throat. And I, the whole lot came up in just like this horrible mass of stuff. And he asked me, do you have children? I said, I've got a daughter. The guy punched me square in the face so hard. I mean, he was a big dude. Like, you know, he saved my life. You know, I, 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 I haven't seen him since. I'll be honest with you. I've always wanted to thank him and say to him, look, this is where I am now. I just want to thank you for that. I'm very grateful. Um, obviously very grateful. I, I don't think I could. Grateful is just, uh, it's, it's an understatement. Um, but he punched me in the face and he turned around to me he said you should be ashamed of yourself he said because you've got the opportunity to have something that I don't and I don't know what he meant by that I still probably will never know what he meant by that but he picked me up by my neck and like I say he was a big guy. I mean, he towered me like, by far. And he was just as wide. And I think he, might, he must have been from somewhere like Fiji or something. Like that sort of look about him, like just this really 
really big man. He picked me up and lobbed me like that, threw me in that direction, we'd go home. And I did, and I actually went back that night because I was, I, was, I was closer to my ex-partners anyway, so I went back to there and I slept in my daughter's My daughter was sleeping <laughs> in my, my ex-partner's bed, so I was like, oh, sweet, okay, I'll sleep in her bed. And it was lovely, that bed. Um, and I remember getting into the bed and woke up next morning with a big, fat, black eye. And um, she was like, what happened? And I, I, I couldn't bring myself to lie. Because I know if I lie, it's going to come back at me, you yeah. know. So I told her and she said, well, thank God you're here then, aren't you? Something along them lines. I can't read six, eight years ago. Um, but yeah, oh no, it must have been about six years ago. Yeah, something along them lines. And um, yeah, she just, um, she knew. She knew I was going for a hard time. Yeah. And to be honest with you, we had our arguments, but she supported me. And that, for a woman who wanted to move on, for someone who's in a mess, I mean, all right, yeah, we say we loved each other and that, you know, that's, that's great, but... Um, she did and she helped me through that and not only that but my mum did my mother i mean christ she i mean she's seen me at the worst let's be honest um and it's nice to be surrounded by people that actually do care even when you're now and you could possibly think all these horrible things in the world that no one cares about me no one loves me i'm, I'm you kind of have to take yourself back and, and i know i know that's easier said than done. And I know there are people out there that have the same situation but can't recognise it. But if you're listening now, I highly recommend you take a look around when you're feeling this way and look at the people who do love you. Because at the end of the day, it has to be family. Just because you're blood, you don't relate. And trust me, I've got people that I'm not related to that I love more than sometimes than family, you know, and they've been there more. I hope they're not listening. I'm, I do apologise. People are probably going to be listening to this thinking, well, yeah, fuck you, Brad. Um, but it's the truth. And the last thing I want to do is lie. You know, I'd rather be transparent about it. At the end of the day, yeah. My family were there when I was in this really dark place. Even the people that I didn't think would be, they were. Uh -huh. um, but the only word of advice that I would give to someone who's really feeling that way is that get help. It's not, it's, you should not be ashamed or feel ashamed that you have to go and get help. No, absolutely. You know, and you know what, the thing, the, the, the thing, that's the thing I love about counselling is that I know I could do it for free. It's not a job. Okay. Mm -hmm. I, I have been paid. I've been paid for it. But if someone turned around to me and said, this is a job you've got to do for the rest of your life and you never get paid for it, I'd be like, hey, it's not a job. It's a vocation, mate. Yeah, yeah. And that's the thing. That's what I love about it. Mm -hmm. 
and that's why I love about things like this is because you're giving people even like for me it's like someone who's I'm training you know um and it's being able to give the opportunity to be able to sort of share that with other people is that if you are feeling the same way do yourself a favor and learn about someone else who's feeling the same way you'll be surprised how much you'll help them and they will help you because it's that reflection it's like how are you feeling today it's the, it's the question you ask everyone it's the question that counselors there's three questions that counselors ask co coaches ask which is you know how are you so in other words what's going on okay where do you want to go no where where are you now and where do you want to go mm, yeah and it's like you ask your friends that if you ask your friends that, I tell you what, <laughs> your friends are gonna, they'll, they'll grow to be your best friends because you'll have a better understanding of everyone. It's amazing. So listen, as always, Brad, like I said, look, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you tonight, as always. Um, thanks a million for, for, for coming on uh, and chatting to me. Um, and for giving us your insights, I guess, into a few bits as well. It's 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 been brilliant. Um it's a lot of fun talking to you tonight. We covered a lot of topics. I think mm. the brains are fried. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but mate, listen, it's been absolutely amazing and and thank you so much. And uh best of luck with the um the therapy and the and everything going forward, mate. I know anyone you speak to any of your clients that that, that come to you for for counseling therapy mate they're, they're going to be lucky people to have you um as as their therapist and go to so just the best of luck with it buddy well done no and like i say thank you so much for the opportunity of jumping on here this is my first podcast as well so it's been lovely um and i'm, I'm really really grateful to have the opportunity to be able to share that with you so um i wish i could have like I say, there's there's loads of things I wish I could have said tonight. But like I say, it's a case of like, you know, when you're on the spot and you're trying to think on the spot, it's a case of like, <laughs> ah. yeah. um, but And that's the thing, like, like, look, yeah, like, look, we, we spoke about it beforehand and you said, you know, what are the, the ground wheels to it, you know? And for me, there aren't any, you know? Like I said, I just want to normalise the conversation about men's mental health. And the best way to do that is have an unscripted bit of time on a podcast with two lads are just talking about mental health. Um, and, and as I said, normalizing that conversation. So listen again, thanks a million, buddy. I really appreciate it. And, uh, we'll, we'll chat again soon. Definitely. 100%. Much appreciated. Thank you so much. All the best. All right, cheers, bud. Thank you, mate.